Play the fucking intro. This is Dustin. And this is Eric. And this is SLC Punkcast. And this is your supplement to episode 318. Yep, this is 318.8. Right. <laughs> <laughs> or 318.18. Right. We'll, we'll, put it as, uh, we'll put it as that. And this is a special episode where we talk about what we did last weekend. Punk Rock Bowling. We like to talk about live shows during our show because I think live shows are a huge part of the our scene our punk community and all that going to the shows i mean eric will tell you but so many bands will like hey recording music isn't as fun we want to go play shows exactly right and you need people to attend shows uh-huh. and so we're we're definitely talking about and promoting getting out and attending shows so mm-hmm. on and that note yeah and talking about how it's a big part of the community it's also usually a big part of our episode right and since we're talking about uh five days worth uh, five days worth of live shows that we attended then yeah we kind of needed to uh give ourselves some more uh, wiggle room right <laughs> you know? So now, if you guys are listening to this, you have chosen to be bored to death. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Hopefully you enjoy our recap, as it were, of Punk Rock Bowling, our weekend in Punk Rock Bowling. We're going to jump right in and get to it. We're not going to draw this out. We're just going to get into it and talk about all the cool stuff that we saw, did, people we met, all of those things. Eric went down on Thursday. Eric, kick us off. Yes, on Thursday. If you listen to the, uh, the actual episode, I... I uh, talked about meeting uh, my friend John down there, John Feeney from uh, Soldiers of Destruction and the label head of Americant Records. I was uh, I was sort of keeping in touch with him, just like, uh, hey, are you going to be at the fest? Will I run into you? Let's meet up. And uh, he was like, uh, going to the fest? Fucking playing it. <laughs> uh, not really the uh, fest, but and not even really one of the adjacent club shows. This was sort of like a... Uh, a show that happened to be going on at the same time as a PRB club show. And that show happened to be Say Ferris. And no, John doesn't drum for Say Ferris. He was <laughs> drumming for a band called Guilty by Association. And he's not necessarily like a part of that band. He was just sort of a hired gun that night because I, for some reason or another, Guilty didn't have a fucking uh, drummer. So... So yeah, John just uh, filled in, learned the set in like uh, uh, two weeks. At least that's what their uh, that's what their singer said. And yeah, John fucking killed it on there. And the, and guilty by association, I liked him enough to put him on uh, to put him on the last episode. Right. Yeah. Played their song. Uh, played their song straight to hell from the album. Uh, what was the album? American Decay. I keep wanting to say uh, Death to America, but that's a little suggestive a title. <laughs> would you not say? <laughs> Uh, no death to America. Uh, America's already dead, but that's, that's it's dead. Now it's decaying. <laughs> but yeah, they were great to uh, yeah, they were great to watch live. They just uh, they totally killed it. It was a nice uh, sort of soft opener to the fest. Now the actual the actual PRB uh, club show that I attended was next door. It was uh, the Safe Ferris show was at uh, the Triple B, but Triple B is attached to another bar called Fremont Country Club, the FCC. Yeah. Suggestive title, I would say. <laughs> oh, there is nothing censored around here. Well, actually, funny yeah, funny thing during the dwarf set. I'll get to that in a minute. 
Anyway, yeah, there's just one wall dividing these two venues, so you can uh, just uh, switch back and forth as you please. Kind of nice. And I was there mainly to see the uh, Dead Boys, Dwarves, and Zeke in the FCC. And, yeah, I watched Zeke from uh, uh, from the far part of the bar. I was uh, watching him way from the back, and I was like, these guys are fast as fuck. I mean, I know they're skate punk. They're supposed to be fast, but it just seemed like they were just uh, up in the ante a little bit. I'm like, okay, these guys were... You guys are not fucking around. I assume they really want to get as many songs as they can in one set. And apparently the fact that they're short songs is not enough. They had to shorten them even more. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, good on you. Zeke fucking kicked ass. They were having a great time. And, and yeah, then Dwarves. I like seeing the Dwarves live. They were really fun. However, noticeably missing was their guitarist, He Who Cannot Be Named. The one who uh, goes out on stage wearing nothing but Converse high tops, a luchador mask, and a jog strap. Sometimes a cape. <laughs> yeah, he was not there. Strange. Yeah. I'm like, did he fucking leave or something? I checked their accounts and everything, and it's like, no, he's still a part of the band, but I don't know why he wasn't there. Something must have happened, I guess, but yeah, whatever. Dwarves still put on one hell of a show. Awesome. Yeah, and what I was saying earlier about uh, FCC, you know how the dwarves sort of uh, present themselves, so many bloody naked women on their uh, album covers with their one little uh, midget uh, uh, pimp, I want to say. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's fucking, it's fucking hilarious the way they do that. And this one chick, she uh, got on the stage. She was totally, she was coming from, she was watching side stage, and then she comes on, she's like, yeah, motherfucker. And then... Uh, Blag, their singer, Black Dahlia, he just comes up, puts her arms around her, and then in one fell swoop, just like grabs her shirt by the bottom hem and just whoop, off it comes. And then she was, and then she was uh, cheering along with it. She's like, yeah! I'm like, whoa, total party girl move. And then she just uh, jumped into the crowd. She was still wearing a bra, so that's what I mean by FCC. It was still censored by dwarf standards. Uh, yeah, and I was like, hmm. Well, I mean, that is kind of their shtick. Now, I don't know what the fuck uh, was going on backstage, if this chick was a sort of hired gun or whatever, but that's the way the dwarves present themselves. So, so you, before you go about canceling Blag, just, right. uh, you know, just, you don't know the whole fucking story. Everyone seemed to be having a good time, including her. And it was a typo negative shirt, and I was thinking, eh, I should have caught that. Because <laughs> I'm not a huge typo fan, but one of my best friends sure is. Good God, <laughs> she <laughs> loves them so much that she ruined them for me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Dead Boys uh, killed it. The killed it that night. They are, yeah. Even though that there is only one living dead boy left. <laughs> wow, living dead boy. Living dead boy. Yeah. Don't get any ideas, Rob. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just uh, don't make a movie about it. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, that's their guitarist, Cheetah. And he was wearing a cheetah print uh, fucking jacket. Nice. <laughs> and I got to say, the guy that they have as their lead singer, whose name I can never remember, he is, as I described, just sort of like a more, uh, I, I don't know how else to say it, a more grimy version of David Bowie. <laughs> you know, we know David Bowie. He's all the glitz and the glam. He's the uh, glitter rocker that everyone knows and loves. You know, he's he's just out there. He's bright and he's vibrant. But this guy, 
He ha- he comes out wearing like a sort of teased black hair, looking more like he came from the 80s rather than the 70s. He had a neck scarf. And just the way he moves around on stage, it's sort of like uh, the in-between of Iggy, of Iggy Pop and David Bowie. In between Iggy and Ziggy, we have the current singer of the Dead Boys. <laughs> he is just so flamboyant. He's just so, he's like an elastic on stage, just sort of like, swooning and uh, falling around. It just, uh, he's, it's really weird, but really awesome to watch. It's like, yeah, he may not be uh, Steve Bader's, but uh, damn, <laughs> they're doing a hell of a job holding the candle to him. And yeah, most of the songs they played were from uh, Young, Loud, and Snotty. And I got to point out one funny thing uh, for, the, uh, for the buffer music that plays between, uh, between all these band sets. It's just a bunch of uh, punk songs that we all heard before. And then Dead Boy's Sonic Reducer comes on. <laughs> and that happened to be the last song that was playing before Dead Boys took the stage. And that also happened to be the song they opened their set with. Nice. So I'm like, well, that's kind of funny. A band's stage walking music is their own song. <laughs> Not only their own song, but the one they intend to play like right at that moment. Right. I don't think it was intentional, but still pretty damn funny. So yeah, of course they play Sonic Reducer. They play uh, they play the Dead Boys anthem. They play I want you to know what love is. Right. Yeah. Good, good stuff. Yeah. It was it was great shit. I love seeing. I love listening to Dead Boys. I love hearing those songs. And this was my second time seeing them. However, the first time I saw them was back in uh, 2018 or 2019. I think it was 2019 when they were playing one of the the smaller stage on uh, punk rock bowling during the actual fest and they only managed to see like uh, about three quarters of their set before I had to wrap around and go to the uh, bigger main stage to see like uh, uh, God, I don't know. I don't know who was all headlining that <laughs> year. It's I can't even remember what actual year it was, but fact is this is my second time seeing them and I saw their whole set and I am happy. Good. Yeah. The next night was the show that you and I attended before that though. During the day on Friday, you did something. Yes, I did do something. (laughs) We're going to work our way through chronologically. Yeah, we're going to make it a sort of marathon here. (laughs) Yes, I did do something during the day. I went down to... uh, I went down to, what was it, the Grand? Yeah, the Grand on Fremont Street to attend a signing... From, by none other than Greg Graffin from Bad Religion. That's cool. Oh yeah, I was uh, I was excited for that one. I bought the, I didn't even buy his book. It was gifted to me by my best friend. He was like, gave me a book for Christmas. It happened to be Greg Graffin's Punk Rock Paradox. I haven't read it yet, but now it's signed. <laughs> That's awesome. Alongside that, my copy of Anarchy Evolution I brought with me to get signed, and that was important to me. Uh, more so than his uh, autobiography because that was the first book that was written by a punk rocker that I ever bought. <laughs> oh, it's cool. Yeah. And it's not even a biography. It's uh, sort of like a 120-page long essay <laughs> or 220-page long essay of just talking of, you know, the evolution of uh, mankind and rebellion and uh, the idea of anarchy and uh, everything like that. It's very fucking insightful. I recommend I recommend that book to anybody who still knows how to read and still knows how to think. <laughs> I don't think it's on audiobook. You can check it out if it is, but uh, definitely read that book. So 
it was important for me to get that signed. And yeah, when I met Greg Graffin, I was under the impression that he was only able to sign the uh, autobiography. Like that was just his uh, limit. And when I met him, I was like, um, are you only signing the book or are you signing anything else? He's like, oh man, I'm just signing uh, whatever comes my way. So I pull out from my cargo shorts pocket, whoop, Anarchy Evolution. <laughs> and the lady who was uh, on standby taking the pictures was like, well, he just pulled that out like it was a rabbit out of a hat. <laughs> and we all had a good laugh at everything like that. And I had my <clears throat> uh, my friend Mark, Mark Hardcore, uh, recording on his video, uh, <laughs> recording on video on his phone, uh, both him and myself meeting Greg Graffin separately because this was such a like pivotal moment for both of us. That's so. cool. So, yeah. I mean, just uh, because of all the... I mean, because Bad Religion is one of my favorite bands, but it's funny because I've met so many people from uh, going to shows and uh, and writing about them and interviewing them. Uh, the um, like some of the biggest names in punk and hardcore. Like I met, you know, like I met John and Harley from the Chromags on separate intervals. I met uh, Roger and Stigma from Agnostic Front. I met the guys from Flogging Molly multiple times. Uh, met and interviewed Keith Morris. I met and interviewed Hunter from AFI, Krista Mackey's from Less Than Jake, Milo from The Descendants, oh, and Sean Stern from a Youth Brigade. But I never met anyone, anybody who was or currently is in Bad Religion. <laughs> That's cool. It's like one of my favorite fucking bands, and I never met a single right. Where's guy that? There, in there it is. Yep, there it is, <laughs> tattooed on my fucking forearm. <laughs> yeah, so. Finally, finally got to meet uh, not just a member of Bad Religion, but the member, the f- the only s- original member of Bad Religion left in the band. Well, no, Jay, Jay Bentley is still an OG member. And I guess Mr. Brett Gurowitz is still technically a member, even though he doesn't play shows with them. Oh, okay. Yeah. But Greg Graffin is uh, definitely the, you know, you think, you think Bad Religion, you think of the lyrics. You know, after the crossbuster, <laughs> but yeah, he's the lyricist. He's the guy who wrote all those uh, crazy songs with those uh, with those long sentences, with those fifty dollar words, and you need a dictionary on standby when you're listening to them. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was awesome just to be in his presence, to shake his hand, and just to sort of just say thank you. <laughs> But I didn't want to just like totally overload him, like you changed my life, oh my god, because I don't. I try to be, maintain some sort of composure, even though my heart's pounding like a jackhammer. Nice. Yeah, and he was real. He was really chill. He was really reserved. Really nice, and uh, and a lot taller than I expected. <laughs> <laughs> he was my height. <laughs> like uh, all the people that I uh, that I mentioned before, most of them are. Pretty short. Well, for those that didn't meet you in Vegas or haven't met you before, were you like six two? Yeah, I'm six two. Yeah, you know, which is still like a taller than the average, but I think not by much. Average is like five foot nine in the U.S. Anyway. Yeah, we're not the tallest overall average, right? But and I think the average is something like five nine ish. Yeah, some, somewhere in that range. So most of the people that I've been meeting of this caliber have been below average height. Yeah. So, so yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Greg Graffin is uh, is my height. That's cool. So I have that little bragging right. <laughs> well, after that, 
uh, we both went to the same show. It was at the place on 7th. It was a club show kicking off the weekend. I mean, your show did, but it was like the only official show on Thursday. Each of the nights, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, yes. No, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. There we go. There's yeah. four nights. There were six shows, six different venues that all had shows, except for Monday. I take it back. Monday only had two shows. So uh, six shows, you and I at the same one, at the place on 7th. And I've been to one other show there. Uh, so that's where I saw Soldiers of Destruction in a previous year. I went to that show. Yeah. They opened for The Unseen. I can't remember who else played that venue that night. But uh, this particular time we went, and I liked the open-air venue portion of it. I like everything except for their sound system. I'm going to, before we get into too much about mm-hmm. anything, because I went to two shows there this weekend, both be, both sets, overall you know, shows, they, I don't know if their speakers are too close to where the microphones are, or they don't have the shit set right. I mean, when I watched the second show with Barstool Preachers, TJ even was like, hey, is anything we can do about this feedback? Nope. Okay, I guess I'm just going to keep going. Yeah. And it was just a lot of feedback from the vocals mic. And I don't know. It's kind of I, – I didn't, I didn't like it. It's kind of yeah. harsh on the ears sometimes. Detracts from what I was going to be appreciating in the show. Yeah. There was definitely – the guitars <laughs> were getting drowned out by the, by, the, by the bass and drums quite a bit. Yeah. Vocals were coming through pretty crisp. You know, but it's just – it's come on, we gotta have it all evened out, you know. Manager EQ right. settings, sound guy. <laughs> the vocals were good, except <clears throat> certain guys because the, the the vocalist, you know, if they were standing, if the vocalist was playing guitar or bass, they weren't moving around a lot. But the guys that were moving around, like TJ was, uh, like uh, Joe, like Waddy, those guys that are moving around, depending on where they were on the stage, they get yeah. a lot of feedback coming through that mic. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, the sound setup was, a. Uh, it wasn't horrendous, but it <laughs> still For wasn't. For open air, I was hoping yeah. for better. Overall, it was good, and I loved that venue. I just, I don't remember it being that way the previous time, so I don't know if it was something they're set up this time around. But anyway, off that note, Friday, we were both at the same show. I was doing some stuff for the radio thing, and I just kind of stuck to it. I kind of listened to some of the bands ahead of time. Halt and Military Gun, I hate to say, but I was just like, eh, I'm just going to continue to do this thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted to see Anti-Vision, but they were, if they would have been in place of Military Gun, I would have went there, but Military Gun, yeah. and I was just trying to get some shit done. So I saw Wisdom and Chains, Lion's Law. Who else did you see that night? Well, I saw, yeah, I got there towards the end of Anti-Vision's set. And okay. Anti-Vision, I've played with them before. And, and uh, they're on Asteroid M Records. We've played them before. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, and Anti Vision, they were, uh, you know, they were cool. I haven't really listened to them that much, but the singer, he was down in the pit. He was like getting into it. The crowd, a little bit, you know, you could tell that they were still waiting for the main acts. Right. Yeah. So Anti Vision, they they were doing a good job uh, holding their own, but, you know, I was like, yeah, this is cool. I just got here. So uh, whatever. (laughs) And yeah, then Military Gun went up. And yeah, they were the softest band on that bill. They yeah. have a sound that's uh that's closer to uh current turnstile and uh and drug church. Especially the singer. His uh vocals sound uh very close to that of uh of Patrick. Okay. So it's pretty yeah, it's pretty it's pretty similar. They're just not as like uh I guess chaotic, you wanna say, but they're also not as uh 
pop-oriented as turnstiles. So they're kind of in that happy middle. You know, if that's your style, eh, you'll enjoy it. Right. Um, however, their set was cut short because their singer blew out his voice. Oh, jeez. Yeah. It was like at one point, it just went like mute. I thought the mic was malfunctioning or there was a sound problem or anything like that. But the singer, uh, he just sort of uh, waved to everybody and he was just sort of motioning. He's like, it's my voice. Oh, it's my voice. Just mouthing <laughs> it. And of course, we couldn't exactly uh, make out what he was saying, but the guitarist, he went on the mic, is like, uh, that's the end of our set. Our singer just uh, blew his voice out. So thanks for coming, guys. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, that kind of sucks. But I'm sure that there was a uh, a collective sigh of relief from the audience members. It's like, yes, that just brings us closer to Wisdom in Chains. Right. And, yep, Wisdom in Chains was up next. That was our that was our second time seeing him, was yes. it not? Yes. Yep. Oh, man. And the first time was better. If yeah. not just for the, the sound and also the fact that I was closer. But, true and true. And that they covered Cox Bar's uh, We're Coming Back. Right. But this time around, they covered uh, uh, Blood for Blood's uh, Spit My Rage, I think it was. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a damn good cover. Especially fresh off the heels of when uh, uh, Mad Joe joined up with the rest of Blood for Blood to do a special uh, tribute set, as right. it were. And that... Uh, uh, what was that festival? It was the I forget. Yeah, I, I forget too. It was a it was a big one. Right. I know that. Um. So yeah, it was kind of cool to see that, and I still think like if anyone's gonna replace Buddha in Blood for Blood as far as vocals go, Mad Bl- Mad Joe Black is the way to go. Right. He's yeah, he's got a a vocal style that's incredibly similar to his. So I I wish I could have seen that Blood for Blood set. That would have been awesome. Right. Because Mad Joe, he's a fucking great front man. Like uh, at this show, he was going all over the fucking stage and getting into the crowd with people, like uh, just sticking the mic out, getting all those pileups going. Oh man, especially on those anthemic ones. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially the anthems. That's where you go on those uh, fucking mic grabs. He didn't play uh, some of my favorite songs this time around. I wasn't exactly expecting them to. It's like, I want to see Violent Americans at least once. <laughs> but uh, but whatever. The, what they did play, fucking great. was uh, <clears throat> definitely a great way to kick off the weekend. Oh, yeah. Now, what about your perspective on the Wisdom show? What uh, were you thinking? I thought great. I, overall, the sounds good. Joe, I mean, I've met him before and met, you know, talked to him just briefly and it's not a fitting name, man. They should call him like Teddy Bear Joe Black. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> such a nice guy. Oh, he's he really super is. cool to everybody. That uh, when I'm watching him interact with other people, he just seems like such a super nice dude, you know. And maybe, maybe it's outside of there that he's mad Joe Black. <laughs> but, uh, uh, they were great. Love it. Richie's a great guitarist. We had him on the show a couple years back. That's who we had when we did our interview with Wisdom and Chains. It was Richie. And they were great. I thought it was fantastic. Great sound. Great way to kick it off. Great to open, I guess, for Lions Law, who I think I've seen them five or six times now. And this was my second. Oh, sweet. Also from Punk Rock Bowling. Right. <laughs> that okay. was a, yeah, first time me seeing them was in uh, 2017. Like I've seen them three times at Punk Rock Bowling. Once in Salt Lake. Once in New York. Maybe is it only three times at Punk Rock Bowling? Maybe it's only five times then. I don't know. Uh, you would know better than me, sir. Right, yeah. I, I'm thinking out loud. doesn't matter. I've seen them a few times, and they're great every time. Band has changed a little bit, but uh, nonetheless, uh, two of the original members still there, and overall, the yeah. band killing it. 
Yeah, especially the singer. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah a good God, he's got such a fucking powerful voice. Right? Like, I remember when I when I listened to their first album, I'm like, yeah, this is some pretty good ag- aggressive oi, but it wasn't really going over the rails for me. It was when they released their single, Give It All. Or, right. uh, no, 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 not Give It All. That's, a, that's Rise Against. <laughs> God damn, why can't I remember? It's Give It. I don't know. It came out in 2019. I don't know the exact title, but uh, basically when he got to those lyrics where it was, uh, what is the title? I can't even continue because <laughs> it's so. Uh, that's a great question. Yeah. I'm not sure which one you're thinking. I know if I see it, I will know uh, which one it is. It was the is single it in 2019. Yes. Uh, I don't know what they put. In t- they put out something in 2020. Cut the Rope came out in 2019. It looks... Oh, Get It All. Get It All. Yes. Okay. That was uh, the B-side on Cut the Rope. Okay, that's why. <laughs> all right. But yeah, when I heard that single, when he was doing that chorus, it was like, Get It All. It just sounded like it was coming from the bottom of his stomach. Get it all. Like, those are beatdown style vocals right. in this fucking oi band. I'm like, okay, Lion's Law. I believe you now. You guys are... <laughs> Fucking ferocious. Right. And I just love that. Like Lion's Law and Wisdom and Chains, they do go hand in hand. This is oi that is tailored for hardcore kids. Absolutely. You know, much like Agnostic Front, much like uh, Warzone, and uh, and much like uh, uh, the Bruisers and Blood for Blood alike. You know, they were... You know, they were walking that fine line. It was like street hardcore and street oi. So, yeah, bands like Lion's Law and Wisdom and Chains are just carrying that torch. Right. And I think it's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, they're great. Close their set with For My Clan. I mean, that's their first single, first album way back in 2013. But Fitting. A lot, yeah, a lot of great tracks uh, they played. They always play Lafayette every show I've seen them, and that's a, a great one, even though that's like a, a French hero. Uh, the crowd yeah. always gets into it. Pretty yeah. awesome. Lafayette. Yeah. <laughs> that's such a funny name. That's yeah. actually L. Ron Hubbard. That's his real name. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, Lafayette. It's just so... <laughs> I don't know why I find that funny. Maybe because Lafayette <laughs> is such a goofy name, but nice. you think of the founder of Scientology, Lafayette. Yeah, that's uh, that kind of makes sense. Well, great club show. I enjoyed it. Surprisingly, it wasn't even my favorite club show, but still uh, no disappointment from those two bands and a great way to kick off the weekend. Uh, obviously, not the first time I've seen them, but always uh, bands that I would go, I would want to see. Mm-hmm. Like if they're on a club show... Hopefully, as you said at the end of the last, you know, of the actual episode for the week. Hopefully not at the same time, so I don't have to choose between them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's true. All right. Well, let's go to the next day, Saturday. Yep, Saturday. Kicked off the main stage day. Yep. Or the main venue day. But even before I went to the uh, main stage, I had to see a little, uh, a little... I had to make a little stop in this little new museum that opened up in Las Vegas uh, less than a year ago. That was the Mobsters Museum. <laughs> Actually, no, that's been around forever. I've never been there. I'm, of course, talking about the Punk Rock Museum. I think it's only been open a couple months, even. Yeah. Right? Okay, well, it still stands less yes, than a year. <laughs> exactly. And, yeah, for, for those of you that don't know, uh, the Punk Rock Museum, it was founded... Um, 
shit, I skipped on his name. We were interviewing him. Like, uh, fuck. I don't remember. Uh, you talking about the guy that did the photos, Kevin Salk? He didn't. F- oh, yeah. He's not the founder, but, but he, he has w- a lot of his art, like not a lot of his pictures that he took back in the 80s are there. Yes, that's yes. what I was thinking of. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So not the founder per se, but that was where I got the, <laughs> that was where we kind of got the right. in. Yeah, yeah. Like- we we're leading up to that. So I want to go. I didn't leave time to go see that. I slept because I was up late. And long story short, I didn't go, but I mm-hmm. plan to go on another weekend that I'm not a punk rock rolling. Yes, it is uh, It is definitely worth it. And you can tell that it's still like uh, in the process of getting uh, complete because while they have a shitload of memorabilia there that was donated by, uh, you know, by everybody in the punk rock spectrum, um, there's still a lot to be, uh, there's still a lot to be had, nice. <laughs> you know. Uh, but what they do have there, obviously at the forefront, they have all the old uh, Ramones and Sex Pistols and Clash uh, uh, memorabilia, including a lot of news articles and like uh, a shirt that Johnny Rotten wore at this specific show back in this day. And uh, here's the uh, original pressing of Nevermind the Bollocks or uh, shit like that. Cool. So just those, uh, just those cool little relics that, you know, are totally one of a kind. And you can now see them in all their glory. <laughs> Yeah, and you go on for yeah, you go on further, and you, they have like sections dedicated to uh, uh, to New York hardcore and to uh, DC hardcore, and they have they have an entire section for Epitaph, an entire section for Fat Records. They even had a whole Warp Tour section, and they had some like a uh, contemporary ones where it was like a crossover thrash. But this is where it was like a, this is where it got a little weird. In the crossover section, they only had. A fucking municipal waste style uh, beer bong, <laughs> you know. It's just the you know the funnel had the big uh, MW logo on it, and it was spray painted to look like it came out of a sewer, you know. Nice. <laughs> it's like, but, but that's it. That's all you have for crossover, and it was lumped in with a ton of other shit that was like a uh, contemporary pop punk and post hardcore. But the little label above it said crossover. It's like, okay, you guys need to figure out some of your shit. I heard from somebody who went there that we talked to uh, one of the days of the show that they have what they have, but they're asking for more, basically. Like, if anybody has stuff that Mm -hmm. could go there, donate it. They hardly have anything from the UK. So if there's anything that from the UK, they want it from everywhere. But they're basically accepting donations. I mean, uh, what's his name? Trevor Keith from Face to Face. Uh, was saying that, mm-hmm. you know, as soon as I'm done playing here, this guitar, I'm taking it over, and you'll be able to go play it. Then. Yeah, that's true. Then, yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that with a lot of the other stuff, they they're kind of have the premise. Because if you waited forever or tried to get it, I mean, it would take forever to open. They, they I think they went under the, hey, we got some stuff, let's open it. Mm-hmm. And we'll constantly be adding things. That way, you know, Eric went this time, but the next time he goes, he's like, oh, I want to go see what they have this time. Exactly. You know, and for me, I'm going to go, and then the next time I go after that, I'll be like, well, I wonder what they've accumulated for the collection now or what they've cycled in and out. Like, that's what I was saying. You can tell it's new. Right. You know, because they're extremely lacking in certain sections (laughs) apart from crossover. There's no proto-punk stuff. There's barely some mention of uh, Iggy. There was only a couple of things related to the Descendants, and as far as uh, uh, yeah, the '90s it was all about you know Fat Wreck and Epitaph and all those uh, skate punk bands, but it was extremely lacking in '90s hardcore. Wow, <laughs> you know, 
and uh, and yeah, there was a bit of uh, there was a bit of like the uh, new school stuff. Like there was a little section uh, where you saw Interrupter stuff, where you saw Scowl, and you know, just the guys that are just brand new. They're fresh out of the gate, you know. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and then uh, uh some standouts though. They had a whole case of uh, Lemmy material. Nice. His boots, his hat, his jacket, his base. <laughs> it was cool. it, it just in this uh, this case. And it was right next to all the Suicidal Tendencies merch with a cardboard cutout of Mike Muir. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, and also, there was a whole section dedicated to uh, uh, the photography. Uh, not necessarily by, uh, what's his name again? <laughs> Oh, Kevin Salk. Yeah, not necessarily by Kevin Salk, but it's multiple photographers. And in those photos, I saw some familiar faces. I saw Ronnie from Gag Order. Oh, cool. Yeah, I was like, "Holy shit, that's her!" It was just a, it was just her face looking ominously in the distance, and it was a just a big old portrait. I was like, "That's awesome." And then I saw a live shot of Kay from Revolt when they were still a band. I'm like, oh shit, we got some Salt Lake uh, reps in here. That's great. <laughs> yeah, that was some that was some fucking good shit. And another thing, they have a little jam room. You know where uh, how Trevor was saying he's gonna dedicate his guitar, right? Yep, people have dedicated <clears throat> their gear, like their actual gear, and they're on display. But you can pick them up and you can play them. That's awesome. And I picked up Zach Blair's Les Paul, Zach Blair from Rise Against, and. There's just something that really stuck with me about about that. I'm not a gigantic Rise Against fan. I mean, I like them. I like their music. And, you know, a Les Paul, I played a Les Paul before. It's uh, it's fine. You know, it's heavy. It's <laughs> inexplicably heavy. Well, it is. Ex- it can be explained as the type of wood that they use, and it's dense. Um, but I was just sitting there playing Zach Player's guitar. I was right, and I was just playing some of the punk songs that I had written. I was playing Warmongers. I was playing Damage by Design. One's by Anonymous. One's by Apathetics. Keep an eye out. <laughs> <laughs> and it just felt so fucking uh, otherworldly to me. Here I am pl- holding Zach Blair's guitar. Zach Blair from Rise Against, a well a well known band. I'm holding his guitar playing songs that I wrote. This is actually pretty cool. And some of the uh, spectators in the <laughs> outside of the room, they were looking at me like, yeah, this is some good shit. I'm like, thanks, I wrote it. <laughs> I, didn't tell anybody, I didn't tell anybody that, but it was pretty cool. And also, here's a little uh, bonus thing. Uh, what they have been doing is they have like uh, guided tours from uh, – uh, from different types of uh, punk rockers, and I tried to get on one with uh, with Roger from Agnostic Front. It would have been awesome to hear would his shit, um, but that shit costs a hundred bucks. I'm like, I can't shell out that uh, that shedder for <laughs> uh, for this this weekend. But who should be behind us doing a guided tour? But Jake and Meggers from Casualties. Cool. Yeah, so I was just kind of like, uh, let's uh, let's go a little slower. Let's see if I can uh, catch some of the <laughs> some of their uh, presentation. And also, I had a bit of a fanboy moment uh, during the New York hardcore section. I saw Harley Flanagan's bass, and it was the bass that was used to lay down the tracks for Age of Quarrel. Cool. I'm like, oh yeah, I wish I could touch it 
if it wasn't behind the fucking glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But even with the punk rock museum, there's some things that you know they're not going to be able to get. Like uh, uh, stuff that resides in like the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Rock and Roll History Museum. Um, you know, like a, a Steve Jones's uh, fucked up bass. You know, the the smashed bass from the iconic London Calling album cover. Right. That's on display at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in Ohio. So I doubt the Punk Rock Museum, even though it's arguably more... Uh, <laughs> I mean, what's the, It'd be more appreciated. There. Yeah, appreciated over here. I don't think they have the cash to sell that shit out. And I don't think Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is so keen on donating one of their most expensive uh, pieces they have on display. True. So in true punk rock fashion, guys, let's uh, rob the Rock and Roll History Museum and get that fucking bass to where it belongs. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's a punk rock museum. That was uh, yeah, it was a it was pretty awesome. Tagged up some uh, uh, some SLC punk cast stickers in the bathroom. Uh, gave it to some of the uh, cashiers in the gift shop. Uh, put it in their uh, attached bar. That was the other thing they had an attached bar. Nice. And they have a little tattoo shop. And you could do flash tattoos while you're there. Cool. Yeah, I thought about doing that, but again, any money I did, that I don't have. <laughs> but like, I have, but I don't want to not have it because it's, it's only, an expensive weekend just yeah. doing some shows. And I'm only on day three, so. <laughs> right, and not counting getting, you know, if there's any merch from any bands that you want to get too. Oh, yeah, and eating. And eating, yes. <laughs> yeah. Eating's nice. Yeah, and in my case, having to fucking uh, park. Right, that too. Oh, God, it was a pain in the Plenty ass. Plenty of other expenses to go uh, along. Yeah. But, you know, sitting at the punk rock bar, having a drink, and who should be sitting next to me but Bill Stevenson. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, from Descendants and Black Flag and uh, uh, just a producer in uh, Fat Records as well. So, so yeah, I didn't sit and uh, talk with him. He was, uh, he was having a conversation with uh, somebody else. I didn't want to be the... Uh, the little fucking annoying fan just coming in and interrupting his time. Right. But I was just like looking at him like, hey, it's cool. Bill Stevenson right there. And yeah, he was actually the height I imagined. He was pretty short and stout <laughs> as he is. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Punk Rock Museum, definitely worth a visit. Even if you've been there before, go again. You never know what's going to be there this time. True. Yep, gotta love the revisitation value. I I do, and I'm looking forward to the first time I get to go. Yep. All right, we're gonna get to the venue now. We gotta get through this. Uh, the first day, main venue, and it had two stages again: the Monster Energy stage and then the main stage. Uh, kicked off the show with the doll heads. In previous years, I've got there for the very first bands, and I tell people, go see the first bands because you never know who you're going to miss. You would have missed the Roadside Bombs one year, and that was the only year they ever played it. Now they're the Hunting Lions, or what's left of them combined with other bands. Yep. So you or you would have seen see Slaves, and now they're called Soft Kill. <laughs> right. And then uh, Wolfpack out of Australia, where the drummer does the vocals. They were one of the first band or two on there so mm -hmm. you never know what you're gonna miss and those I, guys were heavy <laughs> they were great uh this time i looked ahead of time at some of the bands so to be fair uh the doll heads look like a, some sixth or seventh grade girls really <laughs> yeah and i didn't go i was tired i knew that i had to pace myself through the weekend and even then i didn't do so well as we'll discover as we go along here but uh i didn't go to that i've seen the venice pinks a bunch of times they were the 
first band on the one stage, first band on the other stage. But uh, when I was doing my preview episodes for Punk Rock Bowling, I played Disgusting and the Rodents. I wanted to check them out. So I got there in enough time uh, to see Disgusting and the Rodents. They, they were on the Monster Energy stage. Second band on that stage started at 2.30. What time did you get there? I got there roughly uh, 6-ish p.m. Because this was the day that we were at uh, the Punk Rock Museum. So that kind of took a while. That's one of the reasons why I didn't yeah. go to the Punk Rock Museum. I did go most of the days to this as we'll go along. Yeah. So I'll quickly go over my time there until around 6 when you got there. I did see Susie Moon. She was fantastic at 2.55. Her band was great. Uh, really enjoyed her set. Then I had listened to the crowd previously. I heard them as I sat down and used the restroom. Went and bought some merch uh, while they were up. And then went and checked out Channel 3 because I like that band. And I think I'd seen them at Punk Rock Bowling a few years ago, maybe. That'd be the only other time I'd seen them. And I didn't, don't even remember. Uh, I bought their double LP that they just came out with, which pretty much has most of their songs on it. They had that there. And Channel 3 was great. Surfboard came on uh, on the Monster stage, and I went and got a Monster Energy drink because Monster is a sponsor, and there was a lot of... Uh, I don't drink the energy drinks. They have the rehab one, though, that has a bunch of vitamins, no carbonation. That's for me. And I listened to Surfboard, got some more merch, stored it in my locker, and then Fear came on at uh, 5.05. They were next, and I don't know if you, you didn't see Fear because they were at 5. Yeah, I wasn't able to make it in time for Fear, or the adolescence. Well, I caught the last little bit of the adolescence from the line to get into the festival. So that's how Fair. late that's how late I was. But I've seen both of them uh, previously, both of which I'd seen on the main stage, and it's okay. You know, Fear was all right. I I hadn't seen them. If I had, it's been like twenty years. Yeah, some of the bands I saw, like Warp Tours and shit like that, way back yeah. in the nineties. I don't remember all of them. I'd have to go back and look at the lineups and maybe jog my memory. And Lee Ving looks a lot different than I assume he probably did in the nineties. He's a little older. <laughs> he, he made a few mistakes while on stage, uh, kind of showing his age, like saying whatever the next song was, and then the guitarist kind of came over to him and said something, and then he comes back and. Says some other song, and then they say <laughs> some other song. And then at the end of the set, he's like, thank you, L.A., and then starts to walk away. And then he comes back, like, after, like, maybe 20 seconds or so, looking like, he, did he just say, I said to somebody that we, me and Chris, I was standing next to Chris most of the time, old punk Chris that used to do the show lots of years ago. Uh, we, I looked over at somebody and said, did that guy just say, thank you, L.A.? And that guy's like, yeah, he sure did. And then he came back and did correct himself. I think somebody told him that it was Las Vegas. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, Lee. <laughs> kind of showing his age. But, man, his, uh, the handful of songs that I really wanted to see, Fear was great for that. Adolescence came on. Uh, he, I can't remember who does vocals for Adolescence. Tony. Okay. Yeah, Tony, uh, Tony Adolescent, but that's the singer. I'm familiar with the band, never been like really into the adolescence. Cool. I like some of the songs, <laughs> but just never been like huge into them. He's the only dude I saw sing with a mask on. Really? Yeah, he sang with a fucking mask on. He sounded like this. Like he had some shit over his fucking mouth. And I think somebody said something to him, and he made a comment, and I'm just looking at him like, what the fuck are you doing? You getting ready to rob a bank? What the fuck? <laughs> 
you're on stage in open air, not standing next to anybody. What the fuck? It's like a, a little late to start bottling yourself after Slipknot, huh? Yeah, like not like a, like a you know a mass. Like I know baby steps though. Yes, right. And I just shook my head, but uh, it just sounded muffled, and I wasn't impressed. And so I just kind of wandered off and looked at some shit that was there, and didn't really pay much attention to the adolescents. And that brings Eric to the venue, which would have been me first and Gimme Gimme's next, right? Yep, that was the first band that I saw on the fest. And me first and Gimme Gimme's, they're a blast live. They're right? just, <laughs> you know, they're so, fu- they're so funny in between songs. Even if you, uh, and, and you know, their music uh, <clears throat> is just covers of like show tunes or country ballads or just these, uh, uh or just these soulful tracks from those 60s vocal groups. I mean, they go on and on and on. Right. Uh, but they punk the fuck out of them, and that's what makes it so... That's what makes them so fun. Right. But, yeah, it's awesome to see those guys just... Uh, I think they were great, and I Just saw running around like jackasses on stage. <laughs> Salt Lake, whenever they were here, like six months ago or something like that. Yeah, that, was, uh, that sounds about the right. The show wasn't that much different than that show, just to be fair. <laughs> I remember it being very similar. I think the... Suits or the outfits they were wearing. They, I'm not saying they were identical, but they definitely seemed pretty similar to whatever they were wearing when they were in Salt Lake <laughs> like six months ago. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, wardrobe is expensive. <laughs> I know. I'm just saying that a lot of bands are wearing whatever, right? Like when Eric performs, Eric ha- doesn't have the same thing that you wear every time you perform. Yeah, pretty much. Right. It's something different. And so when you are wearing, you know, sometimes they're wearing, like, pants and a jacket with, like, button-up shirts. And then other times they'll dress more like a Hawaiian type, like, shorts and, like, they're going mm-hmm. to the beach. That's all I'm getting at is it looked like this getup was the same as that getup. Yeah. Well, it's because <laughs> uh, I guess it's going in the idea that their albums have a different theme every true. time. That's true. So, so yeah. you gotta. I got to give some respect to me first. I don't really listen to their CDs, but... It's a, but they're just a blast to see live. Right. Yeah. And I was watching them from like a way far behind. I was in the back of the crowd. Uh, I was too. Yeah. And that's because I wanted to see. uh, Next up was the Slackers. It was the Slackers. I wanted to see the Slackers and I caught a little bit of them like at some point in the middle of the set because I was also uh, on the quest for getting food (laughs) as well. Right. I had to get some food and I watched. and I sort of uh, watched slash listened to the Slackers when they were playing. I was like, yeah, this is cool. Uh, but I don't know too much of the Slackers to uh, uh, to warrant uh, sticking around for the entire set. I know how shitty that sounds. But uh, my friend who was with me really wanted to see the Interrupters. That's one of her favorite fucking bands. And also, this is also sort of the reason why I have been... Uh, why I was late to the festival shows is because the day that we drove down there on Thursday, she got sick. Uh. She was sick and she was sick as a dog the whole time there. And you want to know what else is a nice little kick in the ovaries? This was her first time. Oh man. Her first time going to punk rock bowling and she didn't even get the full immersive experience. (laughs) She had to sit out on the last day. <clears throat> just oh man but she wanted to go this day especially because of interrupters and bad religion so we did the same thing er, er, yeah. not eric <laughs> chris the other guy uh he wanted to see the interrupters so i think that was probably the closest i was for any band just because 
man, my feet were killing me <laughs> standing up. I mean, by the time the interrupters came on, I'd already been there five and a half hours. Yeah, in the that's sun, true. and it was it was warm in Las Vegas. It's very yeah. sunny, <laughs> but there was a nice breeze throughout the weekend. There was, but when the sun, I wore sunscreen. But uh, when you can feel the sun, feels like it's cooking your skin. The breeze only does so much. <laughs> oh, I know. I know. If anything, the breeze is uh, uh, it's a it's a nice little distraction. But at the same time, it's a distraction. You're still getting burnt. You're just not feeling it that much, right? Oh, God. Well, from my perspective, I would say that the interrupters, minus the three headliners, probably had the largest crowd response, the largest amount of people just hmm. up as close as you could get. Yeah, that's Minus the three accurate. headliners, I, I would say. Yeah, I would, I would also say, because interrupters, they're basically like, uh, uh, yeah, basically in the shadow of rancid. Right. <laughs> Because, I mean, they're basically uh, Hellcat industry plants at this point. <laughs> Not to say that that's a bad thing. I mean, it would be a bad thing if they were a bad band, but a bad band, they are not. They True. are fucking awesome. I enjoy I enjoy the shit out of Interrupters, and I love uh, I love their stage presence. I love how the uh, uh, the Bavonas, the, I love their banter on stage. I love, it's just, they're three brothers fucking around, and they just all happen to have this friend who's a great singer. Yeah. Yeah, and Amy, she yeah, she's a hell of a performer. She doesn't talk much in between the songs, but when she's singing, when she's belting out those uh belting out those lyrics, she she really owns it. Got nothing but respect for that lady and nothing but respect for that band. They're great. They're a great band. And that set was uh it was good, but it was all the hits, you could tell. You you just knew they were gonna play uh you know, fight the power. You knew they were gonna play uh, for my family, or yeah. that's an agnostic front song, but the, <laughs> this is my family. Yeah, and of course she got arrested. And the two big hits from their newest album, like uh, "Wolves" and uh, "In the Mirror," right? Yeah, which are good songs in their own right. But and that's what my friend was telling me. She's like, "Yeah, Interrupters. They played an awesome set. I love watching them, but I wanted to hear more of their deep cuts. I want to hear more <laughs> of the songs that you don't expect them to play." I'm like, "Well." You know, that's just uh, should push you to see them uh, live when they're uh, touring by themselves. Maybe that's the this is the not headlining set, and when they're the headliner, just as you said, go check them out when they're not here. Exactly. If they're headlining, they probably add a few of those in. Yeah, they do. They do. And God, was, what was this? This is like my fourth time seeing them. Because I saw them, uh, the first time I saw them was 10 years ago when they opened up for Rancid on their uh, uh, 25th anniversary tour back nice. in uh, 2013. And uh, yeah, then I saw them again in 2016, maybe, with, uh, yeah, with uh, Bad Cop, Bad Cop. Cool. And then I saw them, uh, I saw them opening up for Flogging Molly just last year. And, and even the year prior, I saw them at Punk Rock Bowling play in the main stage again. I remember that specifically because they covered Sound System by Op Ivy. Nice. Yeah. I saw that one too, yeah. Yeah, that was a good one. So yeah, this is my fifth time seeing Interrupters. And was it their best set? No, I think their best set was my second time seeing them at the Bad Cop, Bad Cop show. Because I know this was their best set because I hadn't listened to the Interrupters. At least not too much. I knew a song by them. And by the end of... By the end of the set, 
I was like, okay, I got to listen to more of these guys. <laughs> like throughout the set, I was singing along their songs because their songs are so fucking catchy. They know how to grip you and they know how to hold you and just like get you singing along. Me, prior, me prior not having knew, known a single lyric to any of their songs, by the end of their set, I knew lyrics to five of them. <laughs> Off the top of my head, at least. So that was the best time that I saw them. Just cool. if not for just the fucking uh, cultural awakening. <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, interrupters. They always put on a good set. Just some sets they put on are better than others. <laughs> well, after they were done to close out the monster stage was Fishbone. I thought Fishbone was fantastic. Uh, one of the bands on that particular day at that venue, anyway. I was most excited to see. Hadn't seen them since the 90s at the Warp Tour or whatever festival I saw them at back then. And they didn't disappoint. I thought they were great. They just, I, I was telling Eric before we got going because he only caught some of it. It was like a jam session, man. They, they played from 8.35 till around like 9.10, 9.15 when Bad Religion took the stage. And they played like, I don't know, six to eight songs maybe during that window <laughs> because that's just how they play. And if you haven't seen them, you should definitely check them out. Uh, you only caught a, a brief amount of them, right? Yeah, just like, I guess after what you have uh, told me, <laughs> I think I just saw one song, although I may have thought it was two or three. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It's true. All right, well, they were awesome. You should definitely check them out. They're still doing tour uh, stuff. I just saw something. They did some shows after that show. Uh, what wrapped up that night at the main venue was Bad Religion, 9.15. I caught probably the first half and then left to go get something to eat and make my way because the club show, which I'll talk about after Eric talks about Bad Religion, uh, was the furthest club away out of all the clubs uh, and so I wanted to get moving to that one because I wanted to see the all the bands at that one. Anyway, you're up. Bad Religion. So yeah, Bad Religion. Yeah, my favorite fucking band on this uh, on this festival. So yeah, I had to see them. This was my eleventh time seeing them. I've been seeing them pretty consistently since 2009. So there was only one show that they uh, that that they played in Salt Lake that I missed. It was in 2011. They were playing with Rise Against, and Rise Against was headlining. So I just didn't go out of spite, because back then I hated Rise Against. <laughs> you know, And Bad Religion shouldn't be opening up for them to stupid, <laughs> st stupid fucking uh, teenage brain. But, but yeah, that's the only show that they played in Salt Lake that I missed. And, uh, and yeah, Bad Religion, I've seen them a bunch of times. At this point, I think I've seen them play every one of my favorite songs at least once, except for, funnily enough, Incomplete. I've never seen them play Incomplete. Oh. And this show was no exception. <laughs> they didn't play that one. Uh, but, yeah, remember what I was saying earlier about bands uh, playing deep cuts? Well, Bad Religion, this was actually pretty funny. Um, a couple days before their set, they were like uh, promoting on their Instagram. We're playing on uh, Saturday at Punk Rock Bowling. Uh, what song should we open our set with? And then people were just commenting this song and that song and all this. And I was right. like, well, I love that they're kind of doing this because this sort of gives us a prize. What are they going to open up with? And when you want to talk about deep cuts, they open up with a song, Too Much to Ask. Wow. Yeah. Not exactly a song that comes to mind when you first think Bad Religion. <laughs> That's a song from their uh, Generator album. And I was like, okay, this, this is pretty cool. That's a way to fucking uh, start off the show. But 
after that, they go right into uh, American Jesus and Los Angeles is burning. It's like, there the there's the fucking trigger songs. Yeah, and they went on with some of the hits. Like, they did Do What You Want. They did No Control. And, uh, uh, of course, they do Fuck You. They do that every time. <laughs> That's like the runaway hit from uh, True North. Yeah, and they also did they also did Suffer. They did Generator. They did We're Only Gonna Die. And, of course, they did the biggest hits, You, Infected, and Sorrow, where they brought out Amy to uh, sing the chorus with them. That was pretty awesome. That is cool. <laughs> so it's like... Oh, shit, yeah, I got my friend's uh, singer of her favorite band on this bill singing a song with uh, my favorite my favorite band. Although, Sorrow, I can live without that song. <laughs> I've heard it too many goddamn times. Too many goddamn times. Um, so, yeah, but I, I knew that they were going to play that song. They always do. It's usually the show closer. But not this time around. They closed out the set with I Want to Conquer the World and 21st Century Digital Boy. The Against the Grain versions. <laughs> uh, whatever. However, they did play some songs on there that I was extremely surprised. They did Epiphany. I was like, holy shit. They, I thought people forgot about this fucking song. So I was soaked to hear Epiphany live, finally. And when they played Recipe for Hate, that was where my designated uh, mosh time was spent. <laughs> <laughs> during that fucking song is one of my most favorite songs. And then they also played my favorite song off of that album, Skyscraper. I'm like, yes, yes, fucking Skyscraper. Holy <laughs> fuck. I didn't mosh during that one because I just wanted to be in the moment. And they played my friend's favorite song, Come Join Us. So, yeah, pretty well-rounded, I have to say. Uh Let's see, was there, a, I'm looking at their set list right now. I'm trying to remember if there was another standout. Uh, I guess not. Skyscraper and Epiphany, those were the two, like, slaps in the face that I uh, needed. Uh, so, yeah, Bad Religion, 11th time seeing them. I cannot say that I've been disappointed. Nice. You know? The only thing I wish is I could see Bad Religion with Mr. Brett playing on stage. And my friend from high school said that he saw that uh, back on the 2009 Warp Tour out in Los Angeles. He's like, yeah, I saw Bad Religion with Brett Gurowitz playing with them. I'm like, like <laughs> rub it in, why don't you, you <laughs> motherfucker? Why is it my friends are lucky with uh, <laughs> with some of my favorite bands and I'm just I'm just the peon? <laughs> yeah, it's a, whatever. It may happen. Maybe on when Bad Religion calls it quits, does their farewell tour or whatever, and they have... You know, they probably do their uh, ending, the be-all, end-all set, maybe two nights in the Los Angeles, the Hollywood Palladium, where they played in their uh, in their salad days. Yeah, Mr. Brett has to fucking uh, play the, <laughs> their last shows with them, their last ever shows. Come on, take a break from running Epitaph, and remember the band you started? <laughs> okay, I'm getting, uh, I'm getting a bit off track here. Uh what were the shows that you went to that night? I went to the Antihero show. Uh, I had never seen the Antiheroes. And part of the reason is this that show, that club show, because they played at the main venue the next day. We'll talk about that. Uh, that club show was the first show that band has played in 21 years. No shit. Yeah. Damn. Right. Yeah. I have a, a, one of my friends from Arizona. He's a, he's a total skinhead. He's part of the uh, DMS. 
uh, Doc Martin skinheads. Mm-hmm. And he was actually up in punk rock bowling, uh, helping uh, uh, do some promo work with uh, uh, with Agnostic Front. Nice. And he was also up there solely to see anti heroes. And he was freaking out about that. I'm just like, oh, another skinhead freaking out about a skinhead band. Now it makes more sense. Right. <laughs> 21 years. So uh, the reason why I rushed over, because the usual place, which used to be the bunkhouse, from what I understand, I never went to any shows while it was the bunkhouse, but it's now called the usual place. It is pretty far walk, right? Uh, didn't have a car there. Didn't realize quite how far it was. But it wasn't like unreasonably far, just Far enough, I knew that it was going to be a walk. So we walked. We wanted to catch hunting lions. Chris, so Chris had show tickets. I didn't mention this, but uh, old punk Chris that used to be on the show, he got in the night before, and he had tickets to the same show Eric and I had at Lion's Law, and he got there for like the last four songs of Lion's Law. He missed the whole rest of the show, and he had show (laughs) tickets to it. But that's just when his flight got in and when he got there. While he was right at the airport, he came across the guitarist, well, one of the guitarists from Hunting Lions, and they shared a cab together. And they were talking on the way over because they both were staying at El Cortez, which is where we stayed. And that guy got Chris because the show was sold out. The Antihero show was sold out, but Hunting Lions was open and got him on the list, uh, which was pretty awesome. And Chris got in. We saw Hunting Lions, uh, several band members, but Ben on, uh, from Roadside Bombs that I was just mentioning, he does vocals in this band as well. And I'm going to mention that when we did that compilation to help out Eric after Eric had a skateboarding accident, uh-huh. that song from Roadside Bombs that's on there is still not found anywhere else. They didn't, they didn't release it prior to, and the Roadside Bombs are done. And Ben said he didn't really have any, he still doesn't have anywhere that he would do anything with that song. So the only place you're going to find it is on that compilation over on uh, SLC Punkcast Bandcamp page that we were raising money to help Eric with his medical bills. Mm-hmm. So uh, really cool. And they did their short set. I mean, they're a newer band. In the last, their releases have all been like in the last six months. I mean, their two uh, light and dark EPs were released in March and April, and then they had a lot of those tracks kind of released on something else prior to. So, new band, Antagonizers ATL were next. They were amazing as they always are. I've seen them a handful of times, and if you want to see a band that puts on a wonderful show, that band is it. Uh, I, anytime I get an opportunity to see Antagonizers, don't miss it. The Generators, first time getting to see The Generators. That's uh, Dougie Dagger's other band that he was doing for since the 90s until the last, probably about when the podcast started, and then he was doing stuff with his band that he formed back in the 80s, Doug and the Slugs. And then he's been doing shit with Doug and the Slugs until recently, and man, the generators were awesome. They killed it. I could see why they were on the bill, first of all, but also where they were at on the bill. Not that they were better specifically than Hunting Lions or Antagonizers ATL, but those are Bands I was maybe more familiar with, especially Antagonizers ATL, having seen them. But the Generators, fantastic. Their guitarist, great. Dougie was fantastic. And then it was the Antiheroes. They were great. Had never seen them. Uh, even a bigger fan. Like, I was a fan. They, they have some great songs. Uh, but bigger fan after having seen them. That club show is probably the best club show I think I've seen, you know, top to bottom, those four bands at any punk rock bowling. It's probably the highlight of my weekend this weekend, that show or the performance by the Antiheroes. Probably my favorite performance of the weekend. They played some great songs like Hate Edge 
and national debt. <laughs> yes, hate edge. Oh man. That was a that was a name my friends and I used to throw around when we were getting uh, taunted by the straight edge gangs back. <laughs> they back put in that the song out day. in 1988. Yeah, that's I mean, yeah, you can't deny that certain groups have their share of dickheads. Absolutely. Uh, National Debt, Hate Edge uh, were some standouts off of that album. Uh, off of American Pie, uh, The Tradition was awesome. Fuck Hollywood, of course, uh, is a fantastic song and a great response from the crowd. I posted a video of them doing that one from the club show. So if you go to SLC Punkcast uh, and look for that night for the Saturday, it was probably Sunday morning at that point, uh, you can check that out. Uh, great ones that they played. Jerry was a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> I, the only song that I wanted to hear that wasn't played, I should say, because uh, the, there was several I'm glad that I heard, but Carte Blanche for Chaos. I was hoping to hear that one. Uh. <laughs> wasn't there. Uh, they did play Phoenix Program, uh, which was great. Election Day, and then wrapped up the show with Underneath the Underground, and that's all off Underneath the Underground. If you get a chance to see them, they're going to be playing some shows. I think they're playing in San Antonio with Hard Cell and Antagonizers might be playing that show. Anyway, middle of July, get out and see them. It's great. Eric, what did you see on Saturday night? Well, on a Saturday night, I saw the TV. (laughs) You you have to pace yourself because, see, you did that to try to see more later. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but I mean, they're only. Uh, I only went to two club shows, and they were the two that I already mentioned because those are the ones that, uh, you know, I had to sort of. Uh, if you remember what my end cap was from uh, the uh, from the actual episode three eighteen, right? It was like you sort of have to uh, decide uh, decipher the importance of these bands that you want to see, and like, uh, you know, how much do you really want to see them? Right. And that was the majority of these club shows. There were some handful of bands that I like knew the songs, but didn't know too much to justify uh, shelling out more money that I'm like, I'm pinching pennies so hard that you can see an indentation of Lincoln's profile on my thumb. <laughs> so, so yeah, the point is like, uh, there were bands, I'm sure they were good. I'm sure they were awesome live, but I don't know too much about them to like real, uh, to really shell out that cash to go and see them. And the idea is, uh, I don't exactly have that spending cash to really just, uh, Say, hey, why not? Right. <laughs> let's go and uh, let's go and check this out. So, yeah, I had to be really uh, selective <clears throat> this time around. For as I remember, in 2016, I was doing two club shows a night. Wow! <laughs> like I remember specifically going to see uh, MDC and Slapshot with Poison Idea, having to dip out before Poison Idea so I could go down the street and catch whatever was left of H2O's set and watch Good Riddance. Well, Mark Hardcore did the same thing you did. He was at. That show I was at, he watched the generators, mm. talked to Chris and I super fast, gave us a hug, was like, good to see you guys. I got to run. I got to get to Counterpunch. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it'd be, it be that way sometimes. <laughs> right? and, you know, that's when I was, uh, that's when I was younger. That's when I was uh, drinking a lot more. And also, uh, also at that specific time, I was uh, with, some, uh, with some homies who were uh, snorting off of the uh, desk in the hotel room. Okay. Yep. So <laughs> we were supercharged, man. <laughs> so 
Uh, so yeah, but these days I don't exactly uh, partake in uh, in a lot of that. Still drink, but definitely not wake up and drink whatever was left from last night. <laughs> well, let's hop to definitely not that anymore. But Sunday main day. Yeah. What time did you get there that day? What time did I get there? Let me see. I got there during a face-to-face set, which was around 6 p.m. A little bit later again. Yeah, a little bit later again. And once again, not being able to see anti-heroes. And one, also not being able to see noise. You missed out. So I, I, again, looked ahead. No offense to the bands that I didn't see, but it was just you have to weigh your options. Like, how am I? I'm not going to be able to. If I get there at like 1.30 so I can see the first band coming on at 1.40, and then the last band ends at approximately 10.15, right? So mm-hmm. that's like eight and a half, nine hours there, and then a club show for four hours afterwards. I just don't have 12 hours in me. You got to pick and choose, yeah. unfortunately. And then during the day, you have those fucking pool parties. Right. Yeah. And if you're down there as a as a bowling team... You know, you don't really have a choice but to go later into the fest. <laughs> they had this year, too, like the warm-up shows. So at the same time the pool parties were going on over at the plaza, they had a show of like three bands playing before the main venue. It was like 11 to 1 o'clock, just like the pool parties. So if you weren't going to the pool parties, you could go see those bands. Yeah. So I wanted to see the pool parties, especially the one with the Lion's Law and Booze and Glory. I wanted but, to see it, too, but yeah. I just... Wasn't getting up every single day. I'm getting. I I woke up. I'm out of shape, (laughs) (laughs) and I missed out on Madam Bombs, Speed of Light, Rough Kids, and I didn't know until the day of. But Playboy Man, baby, that's where Christoph from uh, Crazy in the Brains was performing. He said I knew ahead of time he was going to be performing with a band. He didn't tell me which one. Well, it turns out it was Playboy Man, baby, and I got there while they were playing because I wanted to get there for End It because we've played End It on the show. Uh, cool hardcore band. I believe they're out of Baltimore. And so that's who I started my day with. They had a great set. It was worth getting there to see them. I saw Noise right after. Noise, Matt Noise usually used to play bass and do vocals along with Nate Noise, who was one of the guitar players. Mm-hmm. Nate's not there. I can't remember. Their other guitar players not there. Somebody else is playing bass. Uh, like Boomtown Rats or some other band from Washington is basically a bunch of band members from that band, and then Matt Noise are what made noise. But yeah. he said, "Hey, if it wasn't for these guys, you wouldn't even be hearing this. We'd be done. There isn't anything." So he's continuing to play with those guys. I think the guy that used to be the drummer was like the rhythm guitar. Oh, really? It's kind of weird. But then the bass player, the drummer, and then the other guitarist not in the band previously. And so it's kind of different seeing them. They still did great. Uh, funny enough, so the night before at Antagonizers, I've met Bodan and talked to him a couple times. Remember the two nights before on Friday, Wisdom and Chains, Matt jumps on stage during the, the song that he did, right? And he did his yeah. parts, right? Well, Antagonizers also have a song, Black Clouds, that Matt did, and he didn't sing that part, right? And so after they performed, and I go over and talk to him, I said, I need you to tell Matt that's fucked up that he showed up and played uh, the night before and did his part with Wisdom and Chains in their song, but he didn't show up to yours. And he goes, well, after that show yesterday, Matt got hit by a car. And I said, well, now I feel like an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. 
Oh, uh, damn, that sucks. So before they <laughs> performed, right? So after the Wisdom and Change show on Friday night, well, Matt got hit by a car. And if you saw him performing at the show on Sunday, he had a black eye, his face, his skin was all blotchy, didn't look great. His uh, voice was kind of raspy, doing a good job. But, I mean, he got hit by a car like a day and a half previous to him performing. Uh, I don't know how bad the car hit was, but, I mean, getting hit by a car is not a great thing. And he had a black eye, so it didn't, didn't fare well for him. Right? So, uh, needless to say, probably not the best noise you've ever seen, but I th- still think it was fantastic getting to see noise play, mm. play their songs. Sloppy Seconds came up right after that. I went and sat down, listened to them play because I like them, but I'm, I was better. Like, I'm going to go sit down on the picnic tables because I got to take a break. I can't stand up for eight straight hours. Yeah. Uh, as soon as they were done, it was Roy Ellis and the Agrilites, same thing. That uh, I was bummed that I missed. <laughs> I was glad to get to hear it. Uh, yeah. On both stages, they had two gigantic monitors on either side of the stage, and uh, during all the performances, you basically got to see who, whatever stage they were performing on, but on both monitors. So wherever you're sitting, you can hear the music, you can look up at the stage, you don't have to go stand right up in front of the stage to enjoy the show. That's what I did with uh, Roy Ellis, and they sounded great. Uh, after that was the casualties. I think, yeah, I was talking with... But for after Roy Ellis on, yeah, I was talking with Johnny from uh, Bad Assets throughout the casualties and, oh, it was face-to-face. Sorry, I got these out of order. So it went noise and then sloppy seconds, then Roy Ellis, and then anti-heroes, which were fantastic again, but they obviously played a smaller set because they weren't doing the headlining. Then it was face-to-face, who was great. You got to see face to face. Yeah, I got to see the last little bit of their set, like the uh, last. Uh, uh, I think the last four songs. I've seen them a handful yeah. of times since. Yeah, so since have Eric I. was a baby in the nineties. <laughs> I've seen them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what was that? I think this was my second time. No, third, third time seeing them. Uh, if you want to count me seeing them at uh, uh, when they opened up for Flogging Molly, I was in the bar area which was uh, a separate room oh, okay. from uh, the main area in the complex. It was, so I was watching it over the, uh, on the TV monitor, so well, <laughs> kind of counts. <laughs> they're a great band. Every time they play, they sound great. They're, they have so many songs that it, it's never, for me anyway, it's never like, oh, I don't know that one, I don't know that one. Oh, there's one I know. Oh, I don't know that one, I don't know that one. It's like, yeah, yeah I know every <laughs> single song because they have so many great songs, and they've been around for a long time. Then it was the casualties. During the casualties, the damned and GBH, uh, I was over just to the side of the main stage, so I kind of was watching the damned, but I was talking to Johnny during the majority of those bands, so I was more listening to and then watching on the screens because GBH and the casualties were at the other stage, which I could still see, but I was watching on the monitors while listening. Yeah. Don't worry. I was watching the casualties. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> yeah, not only watching, I turned... Uh, I just turned back the clock and made myself 17 again and just went nuts. Nice. <laughs> At least for uh, Made in NYC. Uh, but yeah, the casualties, they came out doing a uh, fucking... Uh, uh, doing Chaos Sound, which was uh, the only song from that album that they did. Uh, and then went right into 1312, the latest anthem. You know, I'm sure they got other anthemic tracks, but 1312, that's the one that people seem to flock to the most. 1312, ACAB! <laughs> uh, 
but yeah, they did a lot of classics on there. They did For the Punks. They did On the Front Line. They did Riot. And they did Unknown Soldier and Punk Rock Love. And they ended it with We Are All We Have. And of course, they did Made in NYC. That was where I got my mosh on. And I always know that when they do Made in NYC, they always follow it with a cover song by the Ramones. I've seen them do it with Blitzkrieg Bob. They also did it with Rockaway Beach. But this time they did not a song by the Ramones, but the song called the Ramones by Motorhead. Nice. (laughs) Yep. And what's funny, this is not the only time that a band covered Motorhead (laughs) in this uh, this festival. We'll get to that in a little bit. (laughs) But yeah, of course it was R-A-M-O-N-E-S and people were... People were loving that shit. So, yeah, pretty uh, short set. They had to fill it with uh, some of the hits. Not exactly a lot of uh, not a lot of uh, wiggle room, but it's the casualties. You know, you show up and you hope they're one of those bands that if you hear, you just hope that they play some of the songs that you recognize. And a lot of those songs I did. Right. Yeah, and casualties, I think this is like my sixth time seeing them. Yeah, first time. Yeah, I think my second time seeing them with uh, David. Cool. Yep. That I'd, was a good one. Surprisingly, I've only seen him with him, but I've seen him like three or four times. Oh, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So at least I have that bragging right above Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I saw them. Uh, yeah, first time I saw them was Warp Tour in 2010. Then saw them when, uh, in 2012 when they were touring with the uh, Necromantics. Cool. Then I saw them in 2013 when they played at the old uh, Pickle Factory. Well, next to the old pickle factory, it was a venue called the Salt House. That was a fun show. <laughs> that was fucking great. Uh, yeah, and then saw them in uh, <clears throat> saw them at Punk Rock Bowling. It was one of the club shows that they were playing, and that's when uh, Jorge left. And then Dave Rodriguez came in. And then I saw then I saw them again in 2016 with uh, Goat Whore, and then just a couple days ago, right. so yeah, seven times <laughs> seeing nice. uh, seeing casualties. Oh, yeah. Then after Casualties, went and saw The Damned. That was my second time seeing those guys. And it was neat, 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 neat. Neat, neat, neat. (laughs) (laughs) Neat, neat, neat. Neat, neat, neat. Yeah, I was like worried. I was worried about getting to the uh, front of the stage, but I got, I didn't get front, front, but I got pretty close. Cool. And I managed to catch their, uh, they opened up the song. Uh, with the song Street of Dreams. And I was hoping to hear that one live the most. I'm like, oh. Okay, so it doesn't matter if I miss the rest of their set. At least I got to hear that one live. <laughs> we may be the haunted men. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, and yeah, of course, Neat, 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 and uh, New Rose, yeah. and the uh, uh, Love Song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some of the fucking old school classics. Uh, it's the damned. You know, you can't really go wrong with anywhere in their discography. They're so fucking good the whole way around. You know, whether you love their little dancey, somber uh, gothic numbers or their old school fucking uh, snot-nosed punk stuff (laughs) or anything in between. Even the latest stuff they put out is fucking great. Right. Yeah, they just seem like an ageless band. Maybe Dave Vanian is a vampire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and Captain Sensible, he's up there. He's still got a big old smile on his face, still sporting the red beret. He's just having a good time. These guys are in their fucking 70s, and they still they still know how to reach to the youth. Right. Uh, yeah, so The Damned was awesome. And I finally, finally, finally got to see GBH. They played here in Salt Lake just a few days uh, prior. It was, on a, it was on Monday, I think. It was Monday. Yeah. yeah. 
That was Monday, and I, I wanted to go check it out. But, again, I was like, I'll be seeing them in uh, Vegas. You know, it's uh, it's okay. Also, can't afford. Got to conserve those dollars. Yeah, conserve those stupid dollars. But GBH, oh, my God, they were fucking awesome. They were, you know, the one of the closing bands that night after getting beat on by the fucking, uh, by the fucking hot sun. They still brought their A game. I loved seeing GBH. They played a lot of the songs that I really wanted to hear. Like, uh, uh, of course, they did Sick Boy, but they also did uh, Maniac. They did, oh, yeah, Am I Dead Yet? They did Time Bomb. They started off with Diplomatic Immunity. And then they did the little City Baby Attack by Rats mixed with the City Baby's Revenge. Like, they played them right next to each other. I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And just when I thought I heard... All that I wanted to hear, they covered Bomber by Motorhead. Nice. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this guy, these guys just know how to fucking bring it. So, yeah. And all the while I'm seeing these uh, shows, I had to co- go back and locate my friend because, you know, she's still sick. <laughs> she still came to the show, but she's still sick. She's still fucking on hands and knees, so to speak, just sort of sitting out. But I managed to gather her. And get up as close as we could to see Rancid. And this was my seventh time seeing Rancid. Sixth or seventh. I've seen Rancid a handful of times. She'd only had seen them one other time. And I'm like, well, you got to see them again. Right. <laughs> and yeah, this Rancid said it was, uh, it was good, but it was interesting. It was. They played for about 15 minutes. Yeah, they played for 15 minutes. They got through uh, the first uh, few songs. They opened up with the... Uh, with Tomorrow Never Comes, fittingly enough, I was like, yeah, okay, start off with your brand new fucking track and the best one out of all of them. I'm, right. I'm stoked for that. And, and yeah, then of course they do Radio, they do Roots and Radicals, they do Maxwell Murder, and they do 11th Hour, and then they had to stop the show. Like, at the very end of 11th Hour, I just remember uh, they, stopped, they stopped singing, and then the audience is carrying on, carrying on with, it starts... And ends with you. Yeah. And even Lars commented on that uh, compliment. It's like, that was a great sing-along, but guys, we unfortunately have to stop the show for a minute because <laughs> the barricade is about to break. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was stupid. It was like, take a few steps back, and Lars uh, entertained the audience for a little bit, telling some joke that I don't even really remember what the punchline was. <laughs> uh, something about the... The three guys at the bar, or no, that went no, the to three guys at the at the gates of St. Peter was like, right. oh it's yeah, basically the guy that got the best car because he didn't cheat on his wife found his wife on a skateboard, which yeah. basically meant he, she cheated on him a shit ton. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay, now I remember. That, yeah, that was a good one. <laughs> and I even turned to my friend. And I said, you know, while they're playing, I bet uh, Lars is gonna do a, a solo version of the War's End. And lo and yeah. behold, <laughs> he did. Because I've seen him do that before. First time I saw them uh, in 2013, it was in their set list for him to do a, a solo version of that song. Right. So I was like, yeah, he's probably going to do that. And then uh, Tim comes on and he says, yeah, let's do an acoustic version, uh, electric acoustic of uh, Ruby Soho. So I was like, hey, that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah. But unfortunately, that wasn't enough to uh, fill the... Uh, Fill the gap from when they got the barricade. Forty-five fist. minute wait. 
Yeah, I don't think it was that long. They well, played till, okay, well, they played till 11. Their set's supposed to end at 10.15, and they said they were going to play their whole set. Okay, that's why it didn't feel that long, because they had about 15 <laughs> minutes of the uh, of the banter and the songs and sure. the, all that stuff. So, yeah, it was another, like, half hour before they had to fix whatever in the hell was wrong with the barricade. Right. Then they came back on. And by then, most of the audience had dissipated, but all that meant to me was like, hey, I can get closer. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I did get closer, and they continued on with their set, playing a lot of songs from Outcome the Wolves. Go figure. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, what my, that's what Conrad often jokes about. I remember when they were doing the 20th anniversary of Outcome the Wolves in uh, 2015, Punk Rock Bowling. They played the whole album front to back, and I was telling out Conrad how excited I was about it, and he's like, Oh, you know they do that at every show they play. <laughs> I'm like, okay, yes, but they play all the songs in order. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And I was, uh, there are some songs that I wish they would play, some of the deeper cuts. You know, this, uh, that's a common theme around here, but <laughs> I would have loved to have heard them play more from their first album. You know, I would love to hear Adina live. I'd love to hear Hyena and Rats in the Hallway and Detroit. And unwritten rules and whirlwind trenches, but they did play rejected. Yeah, so, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, and they played some. Uh, I played another deep cut from like their uh, first EP. I'm pretty sure. Like that was a uh, yeah. I can't remember what it's called. I think it was a. Uh, I think it was Riot. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I can't remember what the title is, but it does have Riot in the in the title. I'll probably have to look up the set list later, but. Um, but yeah, they did all the they did all the fucking big hits. Of course, they did Time Bomb. Of course, they did Ruby Soho, and they actually closed out not with Ruby Soho, but with the uh, shorter single of their upcoming album. I don't remember what it's called, but they closed out with that. I thought that was pretty funny. That is, yeah. The also another song that I have heard them play live, but I wish they would do again is Red Hot Moon. Because that's a great song. But I don't think they do that song often because Skinhead Rob isn't there to lay down his fucking uh, his bars. Which I'm like, oh, come on, just get a better rapper to do that. <laughs> <laughs> like Skinhead Rob, he can hold a bar, he can hold a beat, he's got good lyrics and good punchlines. I just can't stand his voice. <laughs> it's just not built for hip-hop. I don't think it is. Just... <laughs> just it's okay in small doses. Red Hot Moon is my limit. <laughs> So yeah, that was uh, so yeah, that was rancid. Despite that fucking uh, forty-five minute hiccup, <laughs> it was still a good set. They still took it in stride. Uh, the diehards stuck around. Right. <laughs> I was there the whole time. <laughs> yep, we were still we were still there. We sure were. Yeah. So rancid, rancid still kicked ass, and yeah, that was the uh, that was the end of that night. <laughs> I went to the club show that I think they waited because I got there like right as I was walking up. Uh, the first band started to play, it sounded like. It was at the place on 7th again, the partial outdoor one, the first one that Eric and I both went to. Well, the one I went to first with Eric. Eric was there the night before. Yep. Uh, the partial outdoor. And I got to see the Provos, kind of a folk band out of uh, Los Angeles area, I believe. And I went and laid down on the cement off to the side because I was tired of standing, and I just laid on the ground while they played and listened to them. <laughs> and then 
The Barstool Preachers came on. They were great. I enjoyed them. I will say it was probably my least favorite time seeing them just because of some of the song selection. Again, the feedback that was coming through the mic and TJ's all over the place, so there was a lot. And Like I told you, <laughs> he even asked, like, hey, anything we can do about this feedback? And they're like, nope, okay, I guess I'm just going after it still. But they were great, and if you ever get a chance to see the Barstool Preachers live, I mean, they are very active on stage, and they put on a show. Like, some bands play live music, some bands perform while they're playing live music, and they are absolutely a performing band. Uh, definitely way better even live than their music, and I think their music's great. So they were yep. great. The whole reason I went to that show, though, I wanted to see TJ and the guys again, but the Rum Jacks, I've never seen the Rum Jacks. They played. They were fantastic. It was great first time getting to see those guys out of Australia. Uh, performed all the tracks I wanted to hear. They were fantastic. And I went and bought a shirt after, <laughs> and I sat there in between their set being done, and it was Booze and Glory who's the headliner, and I thought, fuck it, you know what? Uh, Booze and Glory, I just saw them in October at Crash Fest. They haven't put out anything new. I got to go. I'm fucking tired. And I was back at the hotel room and asleep before their set would have ended. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> I, I was just beat, man. Two long days. So that was my club show. Uh, I'm sorry I missed out on Booze and Glory because I definitely missed out. They are fantastic live every time, but... My back and my feet were killing me. Like when I woke up the next day uh, on that Sunday morning, my feet were still sore. I just laid in bed for a couple hours. Like I'd get up and use the restroom or something, but I didn't do much. My feet were still sore after sleeping. But I think I, I you know, I slept till like nine, so like one thirty to nine. Plenty of time. But yeah, that's I was not still, terrible. My feet still were killing me. Anyway, <laughs> we'll move on. We're we're getting uh, we're definitely have uh, talked really? on this one. Yeah, real uh, real quick. The song is "I Want to Riot." Okay, <laughs> that was the that was the song. It was uh, something they played off of the uh, B and C sides, but I guess uh, versions of that were on the uh, uh, the soundtrack to Beavis and Butthead Do America and on one of the Punkaramas. Right, uh, but it is on their B and C sides compilation. So cool, not from their first EP, but from the compilation. And and yeah, the song that they ended with was the oh man. Something like Live Fast or something like that, right? Don't Make Me Do It. Don't Make Me Do It. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm not even close. <laughs> yeah, don't Make Me Do It. That and uh, Tomorrow Never Comes, those were the, that was the first time they played both of those songs. So, well, live anyway. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was, uh, so yeah, that was pretty cool. That was and cool. also, it was awesome to hear uh, East Bay Night. Right. I hadn't heard that one live in a yeah, fucking, probably ever. Right. <laughs> At least in the times that I've seen them. Uh, and yeah. They play my favorite, Olympia, Washington. Yep. That's uh, one of my favorites. Back to Olympia. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of great music. I mean, Ranza can play most uh, any song from any of their albums, and uh, eh, you get a mixed response on some of them. But, <laughs> <laughs> but they got a lot of hits, so they're they're in the safe zone. All right, well, we're going to wrap up uh, by talking about the Monday. Monday was the last day. Uh, what time did you get there on Monday? Uh, I got there earlier, actually. Oh, cool. Because Monday was my, th that was my loaded day. That was a lot of bands that I wanted to see, including, you know, Suicidal Tendencies, Agnostic Front, The Exploited. But I got there just in time to see The Chisel. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, actually, not even just The Chisel. I saw the last little bit of a Hepcat set. 
Oh, we got there around the same time. I got there at the very beginning of Hepcat's set. Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, I'd seen I Hepcat I got there like one other time. Ten minutes before, so I might have caught the end, I think, while I was in line. Yeah. FEA, which I'm not familiar with the band, but I heard a little bit of that while I was in line. Yeah, I don't know FEA either, uh, but I do know Hepcat. I saw them yeah. live back in 2009, opening up for uh, Floggy Molly on their float tour. So, and that was like basically my introduction into a ska show. So that was pretty cool. The bands have played before, Desert Island Boys, great band I wanted to see, but they're the very first band, and I was tired. Shit, Chris didn't even wake up until 1 o'clock, and this band went on at 1.40. <laughs> oh, you've been drinking too much. Been, yeah. Uh, Desert Island Boys are on Asteroid M Records. Uh, they're out of Las Vegas, so really cool, but I didn't get to see them. Uh, the other bands that played, Ratfuck, Infamous Stiffs, Doki Doki, Svetlana's, which would have been cool, but they're just too early, and I was too beat up to get there. Yeah. But they will be coming here. Yep. Ultra Bomb, FEA, and then it was Hepcat. We both checked out Hepcat. I listened to them, walked around a little bit, uh, watched them. They were great. Yeah, Hepcat was, uh, it was pretty awesome. I caught them yeah. on their last song, and I was like, okay, now onward to the uh, monster stage to watch The Chisel. Yep. Oh. I, I'm glad I got to see the chisel because later in the night for the club show, it, it made me say, all right, I'm cool. I don't, I don't need to go to this. I'm fucking tired and beat and I got to go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, But they were great to, to watch. I watched them from the monster tent getting another monster. <laughs> nice. <laughs> go figure. I was up at the uh, front and uh, yeah, the chisel, the crowd at least was uh, actually pretty decent, except for one guy who was uh, visually drunk who just kept like slamming up into the fucking front and just being a dickhead, just sort of uh, <laughs> just sort of slamming himself all around the pit. And, you know, he's not doing it with any grace. You can tell he's totally sloshed. Getting drunk a little early there, bud, you fucking <laughs> dickhead. But everyone wasn't having it, so he was getting like uh, aggressively shoved back and just like, get the fuck out of here. But, but... The chisel still kicked ass live. They did. Uh, I was excited to see them. Uh, L7 yeah. was next? Yep, L7 was next. I watched them from... I watched, uh, them. I watched them actually from the monster stage. Oh, nice. Yeah. You stayed there because you <laughs> were preparing for the next band. I actually moved over yeah. there, uh, watched most of their set. I think I missed the first couple tracks uh, after the chisel. I can't even remember what I did. But anyway, went and watched most of L7's set. And then after that was, and they were great, by the way. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen them. I think they play yeah. punk rock bowling a lot, but a lot of time it's club shows. I think they've only played the yeah. main stage one other time that I've been there. Yeah, it was. Or the uh, main venue, rather. Yeah, it was the last one, wasn't it? Might have been. Yeah, I think uh, either that one or the one before that, but it was pretty recent. Right. But I think they, seems like they do club shows most of the time. Too, yeah, so. they do. And sort of an odd pick for uh, punk rock bowling because I never saw L7 as really a punk adjacent band. I saw the more alternative, yeah, more grunge and alternative. Yeah, that's what I thought too. But yeah, I'll take it. You know, go check them out. Why not? Yeah, but yeah, why not? I mean, L7 is cool. I'm not a huge fan of those guys. Not not really. I mean, I listen to them, and I don't know. Some of it just really sounds the same. <laughs> you know, it's all the it's all the same tempo, same sort of riff patterns. They get kind of they get kind of boring. So. Well, uh, but yeah, on one, their own is like uh, you know songs on their own I enjoy, but I can't listen to a whole album by them. It's just too long. I went and got food uh, after them and sat down because 
agnostic front, as you're about to say, it, mm. they played on that monster stage, and the food place I went and sat at was like right next to it, so I could eat, see the monitor, hear the music really well, because it was very close to the stage, but I also yeah. had a seat where I could watch Suicidal Tendencies. Chris and I came across a few people and chatted up some people, some people from Oregon. have no idea if they'll end up listening to the show, but shout out to you guys. <laughs> You're great conversationalists during that time. They told us about the Punk Rock Museum and so forth. Anyway... Agnostic Front, they performed United in Blood, or United, yeah, United Blood. Yes, United Blood. And remember how you were saying, like, uh, you expect him to play, like, uh, the extended one to sort of fill the runtime? It's like, yeah, well, guess what? They only played half of that EP. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, five of the ten songs on the United Blood EP. They only did five. Wow. So we only got three minutes of worth of that EP. See, in my opinion, something like that, it's like, all right, is it even worth mentioning that they're going to do that ahead of time? Why don't they just do it? You I know, know. Because it's kind of anticlimactic. Yeah. I mean, seriously, I didn't I expect heard it play, much. You know, a lot of their other classics. Of course, they did Crucified. Yeah. Which isn't even an original of no, theirs. No, <laughs> Iron Cross did that one. But I think that they really made it famous. Yeah. You know, like really brought it forward. Oh, they sure did. You know? But that was, uh, yeah. We'll get more into uh, some Agnostic Front-esque songs later on. But seriously, United Blood, they didn't even do the songs in order. They did the title track. They did Last Warning, Crucial Changes, and Fight. And then they closed the set with Friend or Foe. I mean, great. I love all those songs. You played uh, Friend or Foe, the one that I was hoping to hear the most. But at the same time, it's like, we were expecting the whole fucking thing, man. Like, right. I, don't, I, don't know what it, I don't know what was going through their heads. But it was still a good show. They still knew how to fucking uh, bring all the energy. Uh, the one thing that I did uh, that was a fucking letdown, aside from what I said about the EP... <laughs> was they started off their set with a victim in pain. And as soon as the beat drops and Roger starts singing, the mic was cut out. <laughs> you couldn't hear the fucking vocals. I was hearing everybody singing the lyrics around me, and I was like, wait a minute, I lost my place. What the fuck is going on? And then, <laughs> why am I going insane? Okay, now we're back on track. Somebody turn up Roger, for fuck's sake. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that was kind of a letdown, but they did fix it. They fixed it, and it was, uh, and it just went off without a hitch afterwards. Uh, then they did other hits like uh, Your Mistake and Blind Justice and uh, the aforementioned Crucified and... Of course, they had to play Gotta Go, and they did For My, Fram uh, For My Family, and and yeah, like I said, close with uh, Friend or Foe, and during Friend or Foe, that's when, uh, that's when Stigma got all the way down in the pit and had a circle pit going on around him. <laughs> Fucking awesome when they do that. Yeah. <laughs> Though I am bummed I didn't get to hear Power live. It's like, God damn it. He had the social bank. Human discharge, fascist regime. Yeah, <laughs> but it's okay. That was the three other times that I saw Agnostic Front. They played it, so I can't really complain. Uh, but I will complain about half of United Blood. <laughs> okay, come on, come on, man. As if you could shorten it any more. Uh, but that's okay. The next set 
What's suicidal fucking tendencies? What's it gonna be? S T. <laughs> oh yeah, and so yeah, suicidal. This was uh, I'd seen him a handful of times. I know what to expect, and I expected them to play the hits, but this time they were gonna play their full, uh, their first album in full. I'm like, yes. Yes, I get to hear some of my favorite fucking songs. Which is pretty great. Yeah, it was pretty great. However, I do have some issues. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute. They uh, opened their set with the uh, intro of You Can't Bring Me Down. That just like a ominous guitar opening. And right as it's about to break, everyone sees Mike enter the stage. And they think that he's going to lead it in with the, you know, what the hell's going on around here? But Livey goes, what the fuck's going on around here? <laughs> and they were expecting that. But then Mike just starts laughing. I was like, oh, here it goes. That's the intro to Suicide's an Alternative, the first song off of the LP. Suicide's an Alternative, You'll Be Sorry. It's just him laughing maniacally. And then this, this weird fucking noise. I'm like, oh, now they're getting into it. And then, sick of people. No one's real. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Suicide's an Alternative. So, yeah, and they and they carried on doing I Shot Reagan, doing uh, Possessed, the original Possessed. I was so excited to hear that one live. And... Oh, God, Memories of Tomorrow, Subliminal. And, of course, I knew they were going to do I Saw Your Mommy, which is my favorite suicidal song, and, of course, Institutionalized. But here's where I have a problem. There are ten songs, ten songs on that album. Right. They technically did ten songs in their set, one of which was that You Can't Bring Me Down intro. The other... They just closed their set with Pledge Your Allegiance. S-T. What songs did they happen to eliminate? The two that I was looking forward to the most, aside from Possessed. They didn't play Fascist Pig, and they didn't play Suicidal Failure. I was like, God damn it. <laughs> of all songs you had to eliminate, you could have just... Could you have just got rid of Institutionalized? I've heard that song a million and one times. It's not even really a song. It's just you ranting to your mother and father and uh, whatever friend is trying to get a fucking uh, <laughs> a confession out of you. <laughs> you know, I'm sick of hearing that fucking song live. It's like, come on. If you're going to do the whole album, do the whole album. Right. Bastards. Sounds like they both failed at doing their albums. I know. I'm just like, that's <laughs> that was one of the main reasons. I wanted to go down there. The other reason was so my friend could have her first experience. I wanted to be there with her. I wanted to share it with her. I wanted to show her the ropes, you know? But to get only half of the United Blood EP, uh, eight-tenths of, <laughs> of the fucking suicidal LP, and to whoever fucking made my friend sick, fuck you too! <laughs> so, yeah, this... Uh, there were some major hangups up on this. Okay. But I had fun. I still had fun. I'm at least happy I got to hear Possessed Alive. That's good. Yeah, and the other songs on that LP that they don't play live, that are not in their set list all the time. You know, like Memories and like, uh, 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 fuck, Subliminal. <laughs> so that was cool. So I look over to the monster stage. I'm like, 
Wadi, please be my saving grace. <laughs> and yes, the exploited fucking fourth time seeing them. And while I will say I'm bummed that I didn't get to hear Dead Cities or Let's Start a War or fucking Liar live, I did get to hear Fuck the System. I got to hear I Believe in Anarchy. And this is the first time ever I got to hear Exploited sing Fuck the USA live. <laughs> I'm like, yes, finally. <laughs> Fuck the USA. Fuck the US USA. That was the first song I ever heard by the Exploited. <laughs> and they apparently, for some reason or another, didn't play it live in the last three times I'd seen them, two of which were at the previous punk rock bowlings they played. Weird. Yeah, kind of odd. And then they did uh, Chaos Is My Life, and uh, of course they had to close the set with Sex and Violence. Right. What Exploited show would be without that? And you could argue what suicidal show... You could argue what suicidal show would be without Institutionalized, but I digress. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the so yeah, I gotta say it was pretty fucking awesome seeing uh, Wadi. Who was shirtless, by the way. That was my first time seeing him shirtless. Yeah. Kind of weird. He's got a weird-looking abdomen. And uh, he's got a... But we all know Wadi. He's got the giant red mohawk. Yeah. Who else has a giant red mohawk? Uh, Dave from the Casualties. And also Morat from Soldiers of Destruction. Soldiers of Destruction who basically... Who loves fucking exploited... <laughs> You know, Soldier of Destruction is basically exploited a motorhead kind of put together. <laughs> so it was kind of funny seeing on stage left, center stage, and stage right, two old school punk rockers with fucking red mohawks all singing sex and violence. Nice. <laughs> so that was pretty awesome. I wanted to get up on the stage, but at that point, the security was uh, barring people from uh, getting up there. Gotcha. Yeah, but it's okay. I've done that before. It was cool. It's cool. I saw it from a distance because Chris wanted to go get close, uh, as close as we could without having to be, like, too close for Dropkick Murphys. <laughs> yep. And, uh, and speaking of which, let's talk, to, uh, let's talk about the Dropkick Murphy show. Right. <laughs> <laughs> if you were there, you know, you know that Albar was notably absent from Dropkick Murphys. Right. And apparently it has to do with uh, him uh, caring for his mother back home. Right. So I'm like, okay, that, that makes sense. I mean, it sucks to see a Dropkick Murphy show without Al because he's, he's got the voice, man. <laughs> it's definitely weird. To quickly sum that weirdness up, they did, what, like three tracks from the first album where Mike did the vocals, and Ken sounds nothing like Mike. I mean, Al doesn't really sound that much like Mike, but closer, way closer than Ken. Yeah. And then Al, especially, they're newer albums for sure, but even as the more albums they do, the more recent albums, it seems like more of the vocals are Ken. But still, they did mm -hmm. a lot of songs throughout their discography, and a lot of those vocals aren't normally Ken, but Ken did all the vocals. Yeah. And so some of the songs just sounded weird. <laughs> there are quite, and yeah, admittedly, there are quite a few songs where uh, Ken takes over on vocals, like on Johnny I Hardly Knew Ya. He yeah. does the vocals for the entirety of that track. And there's a handful yeah. that he does. Yeah, and also the entire uh, last couple of albums, uh, that's all him on the vocals. Right. But as he did say, that they did those albums um, just because, you know, Al was not present. He, right. you know, he's back at home caring for his mother. Right. So, uh, and even <clears throat> the last few times that I've seen the Murphys, Ken was always doing double duty, uh, playing bass and doing vocals. Now he's just doing vocals. 
the last two times, well, this time and the time before when I saw him, Al was there, and they were both just vocals. Ken didn't do mm-hmm. bass at all on that show, and then obviously not this show. Yeah. So I guess that's just the way that he's uh, that Ken is doing it now. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that he's just getting older, so the trying to be able to do bass and uh, the vocals is hard. Even though, yeah. I, mean, I don't know if I buy that as the story, because how many times did he climb down the stairs and climb up like out into the crowd almost like that takes a lot of upper body to be like leaning forward on your back and yeah he was he didn't just stand and sing he was all over the place yeah he was i guess it's more of a concentration thing maybe it is yeah like i can understand that but still it's uh maybe he's just uh getting girthier could be (laughs) which he is you know but whatever his reasoning it doesn't it doesn't matter because he can still uh, he still holds a vocal tone. Right. Yeah, a pretty decent one at that. And yeah, there are songs where it's just uh, him solely on vocals. And and he does a good job with that as well. Right. Yeah, and it was awesome to hear some of my favorites, like uh, yeah, the intro of being Cadence to Arms, going into Do or Die, hearing Worker's song, hearing uh, uh, the Smash Shit Up song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, hearing that shit. And of course, Barroom Hero. Uh, and... Uh, Oh, fuck. State of Massachusetts. I haven't heard that song played live in a long time. I was I was stoked. Oh, and Citizen CIA. <laughs> Skinhead on the MBTA. They used to close that all the time, from what I understand. I, I yeah. wasn't there personally, but that used to be their closer. They played that as the second to last song. This yep. Time. The last song, of course, was Shipping Up to Boston. Yeah, we all know that fucking song. I'm so sick of hearing that fucking song, but right. it, whatever, it's fitting. But yeah, of course, Skinhead is always the is always uh, saved for the end of their set list, if not the end. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, but what others did they did they play that I'm trying to remember? There was a lot, and like I said, there were some that just didn't quite sound right because the vocals. Chris is. A, like a dropkick Murphy's fan. You've seen him so many times. He's a diehard. <laughs> for sure. And he, there was one song he said they weren't, they were playing it to where it didn't even sound like the song. So it wasn't just Ken's vocals on that one particular song. He said, like, and I wish I could remember which one he said it was, but he said that that song, they were playing it and it didn't even sound like the song. Yeah. So he still enjoyed it. Not to say that he didn't enjoy the set. He still enjoyed it. Uh, for me personally, the, I'd say the criticism is there's, I don't know, man. It's like if you got uh, a growly metal band, you know, guttural vocals, and then you went and got some pop singer like Taylor Swift or Katy Perry, right, to sing yeah. the songs. You're like, well, that doesn't sound right. Not at all. That's just two different tones, and I don't know. It's just uh, it's not what mm. I wanted. Great for comedic purposes, though. Right. <laughs> if you see those uh, song mashups on YouTube, <laughs> like, uh, like Modest Mouse and Avenged Sevenfold, Kesha and Lamb of God, and the most notable, Justin Bieber and Slipknot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for that reason, it was just like, yeah, all right, some of these songs just don't sound right to me. But whatever. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was still cool to see them. Yeah, to hear songs like uh, State of Massachusetts and The Boys Are Back, where, uh, you know, Al is... Uh, he is the vocalist on that right. song. Right, you know, right. it's just so it's so bizarre to hear it coming off of uh, Ken's vocals. But you know, at the same time as Dropkick Murphys, they have to do a show. And but one thing that I was sort of bummed about is uh last time Murphy's played punk rock bowling uh was also the time where Agnostic Front was playing. 
And the thing was, Agnostic Front, they were a shoe-in for that because uh, they were replacing, uh, uh, taking the place of Discharge. Discharge couldn't play that year, right? even though they were booked. But something happened, and they couldn't get over to the U.S. So Agnostic Front was the fill-in. And that was pretty fucking cool because when uh, the Dropkick Murphys were playing, they got Vinny out onto the stage with Al to sing Iron Shin. Cool. The song that Al inherited for the Bruisers from Agnostic Front as one of their own. Right. So to see him and Vinny singing that together, oh, it was fucking awesome. I was hoping to see that again, but alas, Al not being there, he's we we were not granted that privilege. Right. So that was a, that was kind of a bummer on me. So so yeah, this uh, punk rock bowling for to sum up was a bit of a mixed bag for <laughs> <clears throat> for myself. Some of the like I said, the main reasons I was going down there were also compromised. You know, it's just uh, it's just shit that happens. But still, the the good things that happened. I mean, I I did have a good time. I got to see a bunch of uh, homies down there from uh, both uh, from both back home and from elsewhere, and. Uh, and I got to I got to meet Greg Graffin. I got to check out the Punk Rock Museum. I got to have a fucking uh, free pizza at the end of the fucking festival <laughs> because uh, yeah, the pizzeria. Um, I think that's what it was called, just the pizzeria. Whatever, it doesn't matter. It was a pizza truck, and at the end of the fest, the very last day, last band playing, it's like, hey, just a. Uh, just take some cash over there, give them a tip, and they'll give you a slice. They're trying to get rid of uh, the last little bit they have. So I was like, yeah, fuck it. I'm there, man. <laughs> Took my last single dollar from my wallet, put it in their tip jar, got a slice of cheese pizza, and that was the only thing I ate that night. So it was perfect. Awesome. <laughs> so, so, yeah, it ended on a positive note. And we had a bunch of uh, poker chips that we gave out. True. <laughs> they weren't worth anything, but what it – this was my sales pitch. It was like, yeah, they, they're not worth anything in the casinos, but they will give you hours upon hours of entertainment if you listen to both of these podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So awesome. that, was, that was some cool shit. Like, uh, and, yeah, I still have some. Save them for next year, I guess. Right. We got some for next year. Yep. And like I said, I was uh, tagging up uh, certain areas with the SLC Punkcast stickers, and I even t- put a uh, – a magnet, one of our magnets on this car that I parked next to in the hotel uh, uh, little uh, parking garage. It was a, it was a big old fucking stick, uh, sticker, a magnet or something or other that said "Keep Christ in Christmas," and I was like, "Yeah, I agree." Just so long as you keep Christ out of Yule. <laughs> <laughs> and I put a, I put an SLC Punkcast sticker on the just right beneath it. Why? Because I thought it was funny. I don't know. I have a picture of it. I'll be posting it later when I plug this episode, I guess. So, because why the hell not? Uh, but yeah, the v- Punk Rock Bowling 2023. Good Lord. What a fucking, what a fucking weekend. <laughs> I had tickets to the Monday show uh, afterwards. The Bell Tones, the Chisel, the Drown, Speed of Light. I went over to the venue. It was at the Triple B. It's one of two club shows that night. There's no way. There's no way I was going to be able to do it. I found somebody that needed a ticket, said, you need it, boom, you're in. Said bye to a couple friends, Johnny and Pete, that were going, that were actually in the show, but they came out. We got a picture, and I went back to the room and went to sleep. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, God. 
Uh, when you buy the tickets, it's back in like February, right? For the club shows, and eyes are bigger. Like, oh my gosh, I want to see the Beltones. I want to see the Chisel. I want to see these bands on. I want to see the Booze and Glory. I want to see the Rum Jacks. I want to see Lions. I want to see all these bands. And so oh yeah. You, you get them, and then as it gets closer, and then that weekend, you're like, I can't. How am I supposed to fucking stand for like? 14 hours a day, and that's not even including if you wake up and get to the pool parties. That's like 14 to 16-hour days. You know, you're there from like 11 until 2, or well, by the time you get to your room and get to bed, it's like 11 to 3. Yeah. And that's getting up and running to the pool party, basically, if you're getting there at 11. Yeah, oh, God. Yeah, and on top of that, I had to, by the time I got back and asleep in my bed back in the hotel <clears throat> was got three or four AM. We got about three hours worth of sleep before my friend woke me up saying, I'm really fucking hungry. We should just check out. I'm like, you're driving. Fuck off. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I tried to, I tried to sleep in the car while she was driving, but I can't sleep in cars. It's just, it just doesn't happen for me. <laughs> I can't do it. Oh God. Unless I am like, practically dead which i was able to do once once i tell you <laughs> so yeah sleep was out of the was well, not an option for me on the drive back so she drove halfway i drove the rest of the way and then when i finally got home it was about 6 p.m and i went to bed like i was just gonna lay down and just uh, chill for a minute no i fucking went to sleep i woke up at 2 a.m <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay, I guess I kind of got a full night's sleep. All right, well, cool. I guess I'll just uh, fuck around for a few hours before I have to go to work. <laughs> right. And I still went to work, and I showed up late. <laughs> just one minute, but still. Okay, so, yeah, that's... That's our weekend. Uh, to everybody we met, all the friends that we got to meet in person for the first time, and all the people we met... While we were there, it was great to meet you. We look forward to the next time. Thanks for tuning in to our recap of our Punk Rock Bowling Weekend, and we look forward to doing it again. Yeah, fuck yeah. Hopefully uh, this time it will be a little more competent and some actual standards will be met, some promises <laughs> will be kept, and hopefully it won't be booked the same time as another show that I wanted to see here. Right. Just to... Just stab me right in the heart, why don't you? And just <laughs> drain all the blood. I'm seeing footage from people who were at that show. It looked like a fucking rager. I was so pissed. Just one day, one day, man. Just fuck. It sucks being a music fan, guys. <laughs> these are the these are the hard choices you have to make. But anyway, yeah. Punk rock bowling, 2023. Forever. Play the fucking outro.